Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Business of Film, episode number 68. My name is Jesse Eichmann, and you're listening to a crafttruck.com podcast. This episode, we've got uh, a producer and a gentleman who wears many hats, Michael May, on the show with us. Michael is one of the uh, producers and uh, gentlemen behind Fun Size Horror Project, uh, the website you will be able to find at funsizehorror.com for those of you who are listening to this on Tuesday, which is the day that this comes out. The website will actually go live tomorrow, Wednesday, May 27th. So uh, if you happen to be listening to this on Tuesday, it's not live yet, but it will be, and we're doing this podcast with Michael basically the day before the site goes live. But this is a super cool project, Fun Size Horror. We touch on a lot of really interesting stuff. Uh, uh, it is uh, it is an anthology series. It is uh, both uh, user-generated content and also proprietary IP uh, that Michael and his team are putting together. There's just so many different interesting stuff that we're going to be covering on this show, including uh, digital media distribution, um, also social media strategies, uh, monetization uh, platforms, uh, how they monetize, and a bunch of other tangential topics that we're able to get into on this episode. I had so much fun talking to Michael. And a small disclaimer, I've known Michael for a long time. Um, Michael and I actually produced uh, a film many years back, and we've kept in uh, close uh, contact ever since. Uh, he is uh, a down-to-earth gentleman and uh, very willing to share all the knowledge that he has here with you today. So uh, I'm excited that he was able to give us some of his time here to, to share everything about Fun Size War with you. There's a lot of really cool takeaways here, and if you are digging uh, the Business of Film podcast, please do us a favor, and if you happen to be on iTunes, just uh, drop us a review. Uh, make sure that you are subscribed to the feeds, so that you get it every week in your podcasting device of your choosing. And where we go with episode number 68 with Michael May. <laughs> How are you, man? I'm good. How are you? Fantastic. So, are you ready to do this thing? Yeah, yeah. Let's do it. Let's do it? Okay. Well, well <laughs> heck, you know what? I'm, I'm just going to dive, dive right in. We're, we're live to the internet as we speak. Nice. I've been wanting to get you on the show for some time, so I, I'm happy that uh, you have made yourself available to our audience to, to share with them some of the things that you've learned in the trenches in Hollywood. And uh, Michael, if you could just tell our audience a little bit about who you are and, and what you do, that, that would be awesome. Oh boy! Well, first of all, thank you for having me on. I'm a fan, a fan of craft rock in general. So, thank you very much. Uh, I am an actor and filmmaker, and I've done a little bit of everything in the business, uh, including working sort of on the finance side, and then on the creative side, and in development. Uh, and right now, I am producing a project called Fun Size Horror. Fantastic! So, uh, I want to talk about Fun Size Horror in general because I. I think that from a, not only a social perspective, but the way you're dealing with audience interaction, audience interaction with that project, uh, there's a lot there to, uh, to talk about. But uh, I, I want you to maybe just tell our audience a little bit about sort of how you got started. I guess uh, maybe ingratiating may be the wrong word, but just from the perspective of kind of how you go about your day to day. Uh, in the business and trying to trying to make connections and trying to move some of the projects that you're working on forward inside of the quote unquote you know indie film slash Hollywood community. 
Uh, right. Well, that's a, a good question. It's a very loaded question because I think, as anybody knows that works in this business, uh, day-to-day can be very different day-to-day than it would be in any other business. Um, especially for someone like me that really wants to and has his whole life is kind of more passionate about the creative side of things. Um, so on the creative side of things, being like an actor and director, you're constantly trying to have meetings, you're trying to develop projects, you're trying to develop relationships. Um, so it's a lot of, you know, calls and meetings and, and auditions and stuff like that. I think for the sake of this podcast, probably, uh, it, it might be more poignant to talk about fun size horror, uh, not just because that's what I'm working on currently and that's what I've kind of put a lot of my time and energy into, but also from a day-to-day perspective, um, it, it's a little it's a little more focused, I guess. Yeah, no, no, um, I, I think that's cool. And also, you, you know, it's interesting because as we talk about these things and what I can definitely appreciate appreciate about what you're doing is filmmakers these days wear a lot of hats so you know people aren't being mm-hmm. pigeonholed anymore into just being like okay I am a producer or I am exactly. a director or I am a writer or I am an actor or I am a DOP or you know I am an editor you know a lot of the times filmmakers wear not only these hats but a lot of other hats on, on set too so th- th- this word Filmmaker has kind of really come to encapsulate a whole heck of a lot, uh, including financier. So, um, exactly. yeah. so you know what? Go ahead. If you want to dive in with fun size, let's just do it. Uh, go ahead. Tell tell us about the project. Sure. Well, uh, sort of fun size horror is it's a little bit of everything. It, it depends on who I'm talking to the way I describe it. So, for this sake, uh, fun size horror is a production company. It's a studio. It's a project. Um, it's a series of short films that it can be tied together and sold in a variety of ways. Uh, and we're also uh, a platform. We actually have a website platform for user-generated content and our own productions that's going live this coming week, actually. Um, so, uh, yeah, so it's very exciting, and we are a little bit of everything. Um, so day-to-day, just to kind of... Oh, hold on. Sorry, Tell people, though, exactly what Fun Size Horror is, just so that as we're talking about it, people get a very clear idea of what the project slash platform slash you just generated side of Like, what is it? What is Fun Size Horror? Got it. Uh, well, let me give you some history to that, because it's a little simpler, because it's a complicated question, actually. Uh, so some history is uh, a filmmaker named Zeke Pinero came up with this idea last year um, that came from the always exciting perspective of Fuck Hollywood, I'm doing something myself. Um, so he came up with this idea that I'm a filmmaker. I have friends that are filmmakers. All of them are talented. We have similar interests. Uh, we're all going to make short horror films and we're going to help each other out with all of our horror films. We're going to kind of work on everybody's set. If someone has a camera that someone needs, we're going to loan it to them. This kind of communal idea that we're all going to mutually do something together, even though we each have our own, own individual project, and then we're going to release it. And and he had some ideas about that. And I got involved kind of later down the road because I made a few films for this project, and then I, I started kind of working my way up, so to speak, uh, and became became more in the project and the overall producer. And we released all the films. We made thirty one of them. Uh, we released all the films the week of Halloween across multiple horror-based websites like Shock Till You Drop and Dread Central with Bloody Disgusting and a few others. Um, and then we pulled them all offline. We basically just created a bit of buzz by having them online for only that week. 
And then we pulled them off, and then we were we were able to actually tie them all together, and now released as a feature film anthology that's out right now. So this year, and how long? Just so that people get an idea, how long were each one of these short films on average? They're all five minutes or less. Okay, got it. Yep, because uh, we wanted to we wanted to play into the whole kind of social world we live in and YouTube world we live in. We wanted things to be easily consumable, so we kind of like the idea of five minutes. Um. So this year we'll build, we're building off of that. You know, it's it, you, we're either going to grow or it's not going to do anything else. So so this year we're going to do 31 shorts again as kind of like a Halloween special, and we we're going to tie those together. And we actually instead of doing a feature film, we're exploring different ways to release it that might be as like a TV series or a digital series or something like that. So we're actually currently in talks to to figure out the best way to do that. Um, so it's kind of like a Tales from the Crypt meets Twilight Zone meets ABCs of Death kind of thing. Well, you're definitely ticking a lot of boxes there. I mean, anthologies today are, are coming back au rigueur. And, you know, obviously horror films in general, there's always an audience for that mm-hmm. kind of product. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just obviously a, a fun idea. So, okay, so, so, so go ahead, continue on along that train of thought. Yeah, sure. So, so part of, um, you know, but part of, like I was saying earlier, we're, we're a little bit of everything. So we're not just this project of creating more short films this year that are going to be distributed online and somewhere else. We, we also came up with the idea to have a, a website that caters to the whole idea behind Funzai's originally, which is we're all filmmakers. We want to support each other. And it's kind of like fuck the system again, and I hope it's okay to <laughs> to say that on on your podcast. It's okay. Um, yes, yeah, thank you. Uh, so, it, coming from that kind of that indie spirit, uh, uh-huh. we're we're launching this website, which is going to have some of our own content on it, but also we're opening up to the public to submit us their short films, which will all get seen, they'll all get promoted. Um, and, and you know, ones we like, we can promote more. Ones that fans like, we can promote more. And then we're developing, you know, like contests and film festivals and stuff within that as well. Um, so it's almost like, a, you know, if you think of like YouTube where people can share videos between channels and try to like, you know, fan, if they're fans of somebody's channel, they can send them a message. Be like, hey, you know, if you like my stuff, mention me. It's kind of like that. So we're, we're a home. Or like Funny or Die is a nice example too, but Funny or Die for horror. So it'll have our own productions and user-generated content. So, okay, a couple things. The first is you've done it already once. You had 31 films released this past year on Halloween. That was a success. You're building now towards the second iteration of this. What did you learn the first time through the process? Always spend money on sound. <laughs> Fair, okay, you know uh, it's funny because people always say that when it comes to indie film, yep, they yep. will forgive color, they will forgive, even they'll forgive acting, but but they will not forgive and, and editing, but they will not forgive sound. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's true, and it's you know it's something that that uh, you know I have enough experience with business. I do know that you know I've learned that already. And so has all, all the people that we've worked with. But when you're working on low-budget stuff, especially last year, because each film had its own budget, and some of them were made for literally nothing. Um, so even when you put in focus and say, we want good sound, we have you know a good sound mixer on set, 
as soon as you get the post and we came up with the idea to tie these together, we had to spend money and time and resources to actually go in and get them all mixed as one project because they were all mixed and worked on as individual projects. So it was, you know, it was definitely something that we had to spend some resources on and figure out the, the right process to work with all these different films, which were all mixed differently and all used different sound and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it's definitely where you want uh, your production, you know, you want quality in sound. You know, like you said, people right. will forget color, they'll forget the way it looks. If it sounds good, it looks good. Right. So that's definitely something we learned. And also organization. Last year, filmmakers were kind of on their own. People were helping each other, but they were all their, their own individual productions. This year, we're almost like a TV series. Like, we're in charge of all the productions. So we're actually organizing and shooting back to back to back. We're using a lot of the same crews on each film, a lot of the same equipment, a lot of the same locations. So it's much more efficient. Right. So, so it's uh, not like, you know, if someone were to say, okay, well, why should I put my film on fun size horror versus just putting it up on say youtube there is an infrastructure there that you are providing to the community to i guess tap into this for lack of a better word model that you've created is that kind of uh, right or that that actually is kind of right yes uh, people can send us videos that they've already made and we don't have to be associated with those at all um, but we are we are kind of producing our own content, and people that are in LA that need help that have a horror film that we do like can reach out, and we can actually help them put it together. We can introduce them to the right people. We can help them make deals, or you know, et cetera, et cetera. So, so we are providing an infrastructure, and we're definitely providing an infrastructure for the films that are part of our kind of quote unquote main fun size horror productions. <laughs> so. Talk to me about the distribution because um, obviously I, I assume that the distribution angle of this is going to uh, vastly, I don't want to say vastly change, but I'm sure augment itself over the course of the year. But uh, run run me through the platforms that it it has been on or that it's intending on being on within the next mm-hmm. you know cycle of of the of the of the project. Yeah, that's a that's a great question because this is actually what really excites me from the business standpoint of this project. Um, as you know, a typical indie film is very hard. It's very hard to make money, and it's very hard to exploit multiple ways of distribution. If that makes sense, uh, you know, if you're if you're a film, you you know, hopefully you have theatrical, and then you know you kind of work down the lines and go to VOD and make TV deals and foreign sales and Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. This project, um, this project can hit upon many different, <laughs> many different ways of distribution. Um, so last year, we, you know, we, we came out online, which is, uh, you know, just kind of free promotional sort of release when we were online, and now we're across basically every kind of video on demand and iTunes and all those kind of. Um, all those platforms, the, the feature film anthology is out on, which is great. Well, oh, hold on, year, actually, just, just be, be be specific there because I, I do like to just kind of get granular on these things because sure. I think it's interesting for our, our audience to to hear exactly what platforms they're using. So when you put it out yourself for a part of that free distribution, did you use your own website? Did you use a, a site like VHX or some other kind of? Uh, we use this uh, this system that you've probably never heard of. It's called YouTube. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay, fine. Where, yeah, which has videos. 
Um, <laughs> no, we did YouTube because we wanted it to be free, uh, and, and it's just easy. You know, people know it. It's easy. Uh, you can, you know, when we're up on these different websites, they can just use the embed code and they can do their own little thing. So it was, it was the ease of use of YouTube is why we did that originally. Each, uh, for last each, year. each individual project was a YouTube project. Was, sorry, was, exactly. was, was it was acceptable on YouTube wrapped around probably that the, the, the playlist of fun size horror, I'm assuming. Uh, correct. But since each film, since the films were only out a week, there wasn't really like a chance to sort of exploit that playlist. If that makes sense. But, oh, right. But of yes, course. They of were course. all, just, yeah, yeah. they were all just on our own YouTube channel and, and that kind of way. Yeah. And, and then would it simultaneously go on to these other digital platforms like iTunes? And I want to get into what nope. the other ones were. Okay. So, so uh, or afterwards, yeah, that, that was afterwards. That was after what we, when everything came out online, it, it was only out for a week and then we pulled it. So Got they it. were only accessible to the public for a week. On YouTube. That was a week of Halloween on yeah. YouTube. Okay. And then, and, and then uh, what happened? And then we tied together short films. Uh, we actually couldn't use all 31 because it was too long of a project. So we have 21 short films that were tied together as an anthology film. And those were released, uh, God, when were those released? I think it was not that long ago. It's been like since May 1st, I think, was our release uh, for the anthology film. And that was released through Gravitas. And, uh, you know, the Gravitas, which is a great distribution company, which I have a relationship with as well as my partners. Um, yeah, Gravitas. Uh, yeah, yeah, Gravitas is an awesome company. And just for people who are listening, if they want to hear more about Gravitas, we also had them. Uh, on the uh, on the podcast, and I'm gonna just because I don't remember what what episode it was. I'm gonna just literally as we're talking, just because I, uh, I I'll, I'll put this in, in the show notes uh, as well. But um, I definitely recommend uh, just because you guys are working with with Gravitas, and uh, I really enjoyed my conversation with Gravitas on. Uh, this podcast here they are a really cool company um, and would definitely recommend you guys getting to know what they do if you if you don't um, already so uh, so tell me what what was your relationship with gravitas and what did they do for you and what platforms did they put it on absolutely uh, so my relationship with gravitas started with my producing partner on this project uh, Molly Elfman who is a, a wonderful, uh, probably the best producer there is out there. And Molly has a movie called Do Not Disturb, which was her first feature film production, and that was released through Gravitas. So she developed a, a relationship with them over time. And when we were working on Fun Size Horror last year, we were like, look, we can do something special with this. We don't just have to do this online release. We can do something uh, beyond that. And Molly was like, the first people I want to talk to is Gravitas because they've done such a good job with my film. They're open to ideas. They're open to indie films. Uh, they're also very trustworthy, which is a good thing for a distribution company uh, as a filmmaker. So we we met with Gravitas and they were on board right away. They saw the uh, possibilities that Fun Size Horror had to grow, grow as a brand and actually as a film itself. Um, and we just love them right away. And I have a lot of other friends, uh, in fact, mutual friends of you and I that have worked with Gravitas before and just absolutely love Gravitas. And I believe you spoke with Mia on your podcast. I listened to that one. I did. I did speak with Mia. Yeah. Yep. yep. Yeah. She's, uh, uh, yeah, she's, yeah, she's a great, great ambassador for the company. Uh, really cool, uh, chat just about, 
you know, distribution in general and, and how they operate. But so, so they put it out for you on which platform specifically at the time did it go out on? Uh, it went out across multiple platforms at the time. So off the top of my head, iTunes would be the first um, that comes to me, but also pretty much every video on demand network through the major cable companies um, and also PlayStation Network, Xbox Video, um, basically all the big video on demand platforms. Um, so yeah, there's, there's many, 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 many of them and it all went out the same day. Okay. So, I mean, that, that's huge placement. I mean, people who are listening just need, need to understand that, you know, uh, one of the, one of the things about distribution right now is just kind of being everywhere at the same time and giving people, because there's no central way for an audience today to basically find your stuff, but if you're everywhere at the same time, somebody who's using an Xbox or somebody using, you know, uh, who's just on Comcast or one of the other mm-hmm. cable channels, how wherever your audience happens to be, if they're able to find you, I mean, that's the biggest challenge. So, so that's really awesome. Um, so I, I'm kind of, I'm kind of getting a better picture now of exactly how your distribution structure worked mm-hmm. for the first round. So what's going yeah. on here in round two? Yeah, all right. So round two. Uh, round two, we, it's actually kind of hard to talk about because we're still talking with people about specifically what will be involved with round two. But I'll give you my wish list, I, I should say. Um, my wish list, sort of my, my druthers, is to take our 31 films and sell them as a digital series. Um, I don't want to call it a web series because it's not something that we would just put out on YouTube. But I'm talking about like Hulu or Netflix or one of those uh, sort of what I will quote unquote call the new age model uh, where people can actually access every film or episode, as you would call it at that point, uh, when they want and how they want. So they can sit down and watch every single fun size or volume two uh, short film that they want at the time. So that's my that's my hope is to sell it as a series like that, which we already have interest in our in our talking with. So we'll see if that comes to be. Now um, uh, I'm going to say this just on the podcast. I will not reveal any names, but I don't necessarily unless you want to, Michael. But I'll I'll leave, I'll, I'll leave that up to you. But I will say this on on your behalf, just because you and I, you know, we are we're, we're, we're colleagues, and there's certain things that are obviously information that I, we we can talk about here in the public forum, and then certain things that 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 you can't but for those of you who are listening this idea is you know has has reached the upper levels of hollywood and i won't say who but i will vouch for the fact that there are some of the (laughs) largest players in hollywood have sat down with these guys and taken meetings about this concept and it is a concept it's a concept driven driven idea that you guys have created that is getting really massive traction from some of the biggest people in the business that understand how potent an idea this is. So, I mean, I, I know it sounds like, I don't know, I'm blowing smoke, but genuinely I, I, I'm not. And the reason why I, I want you on the show here today to be talking about this is there is a certain innovativeness here about what you're doing. And, uh, and, and it's awesome. So, um, so yeah, so your, 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 your plans for this year, cause I kind of took you off course there a little bit. I, I yeah, apologize. Yeah. So your plans for this year, expand on them a little bit here. 
Uh, I, I mean, what I will say about the plans for this year now, because I really can't go into too much detail. You just heard sort of my druthers of what I hope happens with the project. Um, the only thing I'll expand on, upon in addition to that is that we do want to utilize our website platform that we have releasing as part of that deal, whether it's just promotional, like we have up certain episodes or shorts just for a day or just during Halloween again, like something like that where people can actually access the content for free, but have it be somewhat promotional. Um, and also there's potential to do brand entertainment, which we've been talking about as well, where we would have original productions on our website that are actually part of a branded campaign. Um, so there's, there's multiple things that we can do and are doing, and we actually already started production on our next set of shorts. Uh, we actually just shot this weekend, so I'm extremely tired today. Um, but one of the cool things that you just said that I, I think is really worth saying, and it's something I've always believed in, it's one of the reasons why I love this project so much, is content is king. And I've always been inspired by people that go out and say, you know what, I'm just making this movie. I'm just making this pilot. I'm just doing it. I don't care if I don't have enough money. I don't care that my deal with, you know, so-and-so didn't come through, or I don't care that the studio turned it down. I'm doing it. And that's what we did last year, and we're already doing it this year. And that's the reason why we've been able to get in the doors of the places, like you said, that I don't really want to name. But we've gotten a lot of attention because people are like, oh, you just made content and you made it really well. And there's a million different things we can do with it to monetize it. We need to talk. We need to meet. And it, and it came from just saying, fuck it. <laughs> We're going to make this stuff. Um, and that's, you know, that's a lesson that I think all filmmakers and all artists that are interested in this business should do. Just don't wait for somebody to say yes. Go and do it. And then people are going to be interested in it if you do it well and if it is good content. Um, and that's kind of the place we're at. And even though the distribution for this year is a little wonky at this point, and that's only because we have so much attention that we have to figure out what's best to do for the project. So it's a very good position to be in. It's a very good problem to have to be like, we don't know what we're doing with it yet. But it's only because we have a lot of different options to do. And it all came from, we're making this. We're right. doing it. And just so we're clear, people who are listening to this podcast, even if they're interested in these kind of uh, both micro-budget but concept-driven horror-type projects and they're interested in going out and doing stuff by themselves, they can, and they can get in touch with you and they can connect with you and they can even be supported by mm -hmm. your platform exactly to you know get into this package as it were uh and be helped along the way in the production process so uh, i think that's also one of the interesting things for our audience to take home from this discussion is that like hey like if you've got some ideas you want to go out there and do it you know these guys are out there doing it right now and and there's an opportunity there to just to do something fun together in the community and which is also really really neat yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Okay. And and I'll, uh, we'll we'll put some show notes obviously in this um in this episode which will be crafttruck.com forward slash BOF sixty eight and it'll be sort of a, a link there for, for people to get a hold of you. Um so sixty eight. Have you done sixty episodes of business of film? Sixty eight, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. I, so uh, you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I keep on trying to figure out when I'm gonna like quit. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think at this point, I kind of have to make it to 100. It was, yeah, I started, oh, absolutely. 
Yeah, I'll, I'll 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 say I'll say this much. I actually did quit for about three months in in, in between uh, around October after episode yeah. fifty. I quit for three months, and the, the the funny thing is, after you do quote unquote quit, it's hard getting back on the wagon again. Yeah. So it's now it's like every week it's like ah, I gotta do another one. Yeah. But the thing is, I love these conversations so much. Like I genuinely love having them with like people like yourself. And uh, last week we had the guys from Creative Live on, and you know it's just yeah, it's just yeah. It's fun, man. Like it's just it's fun stuff so i i i want to get into the monetization here with you a little bit because but but thank you for saying that i i i that thank you um (laughs) (laughs) um, i want to get into the monetization here with you a bit because like this is this this is the part where i think everything sort of well, it can completely fall apart for people because people go into making projects and they either spend too much money or they don't have any idea what the monetization mm. possibilities are. Uh, and I don't necessarily want to restrict you to just talking about, hey, these are the metrics on fun size horror yeah. because it probably is too early to tell on that. But, um, yeah. you know, just what are your thoughts on indie film monetization strategies especially when since this is your area of specificity dealing with digital means of distribution uh okay yes okay that is uh wow where to begin uh i I think indie film it's a tough business and it, it always has been and people know the stories and they know how hard it is to monetize to make their money back to make their investors happy uh, with indie film in general and I think this day and age that we live in now there are many distribution options which it, it's a good thing it's an optimistic thing for an indie filmmaker because there are just, there are digital options there's sort of the more traditional ways to go with distribution as well um, but I think what people have to look at is they have to look beyond just one project. And I am tying this to fun size again, just because it's what I've been working on for over the last year. So it's what I know. But one of the exciting things about monetizing fun size, it was like I said earlier, we're not just one project. Um, so you don't just have to monetize off of the release of an anthology film that we did last year. We can monetize our website. We can monetize uh, with branded entertainment. We can monetize by selling our volume two release of shorts as a series. So there's multiple ways to go. And I think that ties into indie film in general with if you're making an indie film and it's and it's either micro budget or it's just quote unquote just indie in general, I think you have to look at multiple ways to make money beyond just the traditional outlets and beyond traditional means of doing it. Whether that's having a web series that's tied to your to your film or whether that's, you know, doing a sort of podcast that are tied to your project. Like, I think you have to look at it as a business itself um, beyond just a project. You are running a startup, so you have to look at multiple channels of revenue, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and, and that's the world we live in. And, and one of the interesting things about sort of being more in the digital phase right now, and I think all indie filmmakers are, are coming across this as well as studio projects, is studios don't just want movie stars anymore. That's not the way they, they mitigate risk anymore. They don't care if it's Tom Cruise in your project, although they probably, I think Tom Cruise is a big enough international star that that would make a difference. But, um, so it's not the best example. But people want influencers, which is people that are YouTubers or 
popular on Twitter or popular on Vine. Like studios and indie financiers in general want these people that have social media followings because it is free marketing. It's a way to build an audience uh, to the millennials, to to the younger crowds, and and more of the sort of consumable people out there that want to consume entertainment. So, it, it, and it's that's you know that's a double edged sword as a creative because you don't want to work with people that aren't talented just because they have a huge YouTube following. But it, it shows you that to monetize projects nowadays, you do have to look at projects as being as being sort of released in multiple ways. So how are you building your audience? Is it through social media? Is it through something else? How are you releasing it? Is it just on VOD or are you tying in something to a YouTube channel, et cetera, et cetera? So there's there's a lot to take into account, which mm-hmm. is, you know, it's, it's a struggle and it changes every day. Like there's no right way to do it. So it's uh, it's quite an adventure to undertake nowadays. When it comes to working with an aggregator, I am kind of going on a lecture and suggesting mm-hmm. that it's the only way to really do it is you have to work with an aggregator because it's the only way to get your foot in the yeah. door. But you yeah. feel feel free to refute that. I'm I'm throwing that out there as I'm I'm throwing it out there. First of all, do do you feel that 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 as an underlying assumption is is the right assumption to start? Yeah, I, I think so. And, and like I was saying, there's no right or wrong way to do this, and you know, projects are released different ways. But I do think aggregators are the way in the door nowadays. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, there's nothing wrong with that at all. That can that can be a very good thing. And, and in your experience, and this is because I I, I know you've spoken to multiple, um, let's just call them aggregators. Uh, uh-huh. What is the range of fees that a filmmaker can expect an aggregator to charge on the distribution of their product? Uh, that is a good question. I actually don't know off the top of my head. I would I would feel more comfortable if I was actually looking at something. But they all seem relatively, as long as you're looking at aggregators that actually have a good track record and they, they have movies that you've heard of or seen, um, they're all relatively the same. They're all kind of, you know, they're all going to be close to each other and what they charge and what the fees are and how that's, that's you know, split with filmmakers. So they're all kind of they're all kind of similar. So you just have to find the the right people and find a company that you believe will be trustworthy and report things correctly. And what what are their distribution arms? Do they work with iTunes? Do they work with all these other things? So um, you know, it's it's really just research and finding the right company that's right for your project or for yourself. Do Do you find that with a lot of these aggregators that they I guess when I'm going with the question is, do you, do you find that there's a lot of genre specificity that, uh, you know, aggregators these days are kind of looking for, because there's so much product out there, mm-hmm. it's like, okay, we're going to do horrors, we're going to do actions, we're going to do thrillers, we're going to yeah. do, you know, comedies, we're going to do, like, it just becomes very genre specific versus yeah. if you're out there with the, and I guess where I'm going with the question is, if you're out there with the quote-unquote indie drama with no recognizable star, then you got yourself a problem. Uh, yeah, it's, it's very true. I mean, uh, and aggregators, I mean, you know, look at it from their point of view. They're basically just taking a lot of product and kind of throwing it out there, let's be honest. Like, they're not, there's not a lot of strategy in what they do, and I don't speak for all of them. I'm sure there are in some. But they're just taking product and kind of throwing it out through these different different distribution platforms or arms or whatever you would call it that they have deals with 
and hoping that what they put out there will generate revenue. They're just hoping that people will will buy and rent and, and go through these different things. Okay, well, well, so well look, yeah. So this is sorry. Uh, yeah. Finish. I'm sorry, I interrupted you. Finish that thought, yeah. but I want I want to go somewhere yeah, with it, this. Yeah. Yeah. So so my point of that is you have to look at it from their point of view. And if horror movies are going to get more more buys than an indie drama with no one in it, because there's going to be horror fans that are just clicking through one night on their Xbox and they're trying to look for something to watch. And, you know, they're going to be like, oh, this movie I've never heard of, but it sounds interesting. I love monsters or something. And they're going to click on it. It's just, it's a genre that, that has a lot of diehard fans that are going to consume material, no matter what it is or who is in it or whatever. So, yeah, I, I do think they are going to kind of aim more genre-oriented. And hopefully that answers your question with that or... <laughs> no, no, it does. No, it does. It does. But, but, but I think here's the, the the real interesting thing, and this is based on what you said, which is that they're kind of throwing it out there and hoping that mm-hmm. that it's you know hoping that it sticks. The question yeah. is, on whose back is the publicity and advertising uh, and marketing efforts? Does this it, fall? It falls on the filmmakers. It falls on the filmmakers for sure. Um, I'm actually, this is just a good way to kind of extrapolate on that. Uh, I've been developing a feature for the last year called Daisy Delivered, which actually is an indie drama. So it does come with a lot of struggles to it. And what we did, trying to sort of think ahead, whether this project gets off the ground or not, what we did is we actually saved a large portion of our budget for social media marketing. And we have a company that's very good at being a social media marketing company that we have actually hired to say, look, if we're going into production, here's your budget, what can you do for us uh, with this budget? And they can do a lot. So it, it really falls on the filmmakers. You have to look at that before you make the movie now. All right, all right, all right. look at it after. Yeah. Okay, here we go. This is, this is really cool because what you're saying right now, I, I'm just going to point out, it ties in to what this other gentleman that we had on the podcast two episodes ago, uh, John Reese, was saying about this very same point, that producers need to put into their budget from the very get-go a marketing fee or a marketing line item into their into their budget that they need to allocate towards their own social media strategy and it could be anything I mean there's a million ways to do it but the fact is that it's in your budget and this was episode 61 where uh, John Reese came on and talked about uh, marketing and distribution for the digital age uh, but for you and your budget as a, and I'm, I, I'm, I'll tell the audience who, for those who haven't listened to that listen to that episode I'll tell them what he said the percentages uh, and I will tell you what he said the percentages mm-hmm. is because I'm very curious to find out what was your percentage of budget that you put in for that line item. You don't, you don't have to tell me the amount. I'm just curious as a percentage of the budget. Sure, sure. Um, well, what did he say? No, 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 no. Dude, dude, I'm yeah. asking you first. No, no, no. It's much I more fun this way. That, yeah, I think for that one it was 20%. Okay. Okay, that's, that's, that is, that's, dude, that's awesome. <laughs> that's really, that's really awesome. Now, like, I'll, like what he suggests, and, th- and this is going to sound crazy, but it's yeah. not. I mean, I, I called it the nuclear bomb of filmmaking. But yeah, uh, yeah. he said up, you know, like, you know, fifty percent. Yeah, which yeah. is not like it's actually not outrageous because when you think about it, a studio will spend approximately fifty percent of of or a hundred percent of what their budget was. So, so if, if a studio is spending a hundred, 
a million, sorry, a hundred million dollars a yep. movie, they're probably going to spend close to a hundred million dollars marketing it. You know, I, I may be exaggerating, yep. but it's like it's. But I'm probably not that far off. Like if you look at the no, you're probably not. Yeah, I, I mean, certainly on a fifty million dollar movie, you could easily expect a, a, a studio to spend fifty million dollars on the P and A. If you're looking at a two hundred million dollar movie, they could still easily be spending a hundred million dollars on the P and A. So it's you like these these percentages aren't far off, and where most filmmakers who are just getting started with this stuff, they're at that probably 20 to 30% level, and that's on a good day. So the fact that you said that, I'm like, bam, dude, good on you. <laughs> no, man, I, yeah. listen, people aren't doing that. They're just, they're not. No, they're not. They're doing not. It. They're not. And, and people, you know, and, and I've been one of these people, so I don't mean to criticize it too much, but I've been one of these filmmakers where you think to yourself, no, I'm talented. I'm going to show people. My, my movie is going to be the best movie there ever was. And so it doesn't matter that I don't put money into that because people are just going to want to see it. They're going to find it through a film festival and the distributor is going to want it. And it's it's just, you know, it's not the way it happens. You have to be smart about what you're doing. And uh, nowadays, we, we as filmmakers have to actually put money into marketing our movie. We have to grow an audience before the movie gets released. Yeah, and, and you know what? The, the funny thing is, and I'll, I'll take that one step further, I believe it's just straight up fear. I believe that if you have... A million dollars to make a movie. A filmmaker is scared to put two hundred thousand dollars as a line item in their budget towards yeah. marketing in oh, their very absolutely. own budget. I would be, I, I, I like straight up. I would be scared shitless to do it because yeah. it's money that's not on the screen. You think you need the money for production, but if you can't put the money into the marketing, then why the frack are you making the money, making the movie in the first place? Because if no one's going to see it, it just doesn't matter how much you spend. So by putting the budget, you're like you're carving out at least a certain amount of assurance that you can get it out there. Facebook ads, uh, one way. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. Uh, Twitter ads. Uh, there's probably a million other ways. And think of it is, it's so new. I don't even like. I got to have one of these guys on the show just to talk about yeah. all the ways that people yeah. are doing it these days because it's. It's just moving so damn quickly, but still, uh, cool. That's yeah, awesome to yeah, hear, man. No, yeah, absolutely. And, and like you said, it, there's, you got to have somebody on because there are people that know how to do this. There are people that know how to really, really market well. well what company are you using? Um, that is a good question. Uh, shoot, what is their name? I'm forgetting it off the top of my head, honestly. I okay, mean, well, you know what? You know what? Put in the notes. <laughs> no, I, I, you, you know what we're going to do is uh, you'll you'll send me their name. I will I will get in yeah. touch with them afterwards, and, and maybe if uh, if there's somebody over there that wants to come on the show to talk about it, that would be really cool. So absolutely, yeah. Uh, so look, man, this has been. I mean, 40 minutes is just flown by. I've had a blast having you on the show today. It's just been a ton of fun. I think there's so much information here that you've actually been able to just give on a practical level is there any kind of parting thoughts you have uh for your audience for our audience can you also just wrap up by telling us where people can find you uh absolutely um you can find me specifically on twitter at real michael may um and you can find information about fun size horror at funsizehorror.com uh which we we do have a temporary site now but on Wednesday if you're listening to this podcast later it doesn't matter but Wednesday May 27 2015 our site is going live uh, until then you can actually go to the site and see a little bit but we're we're going live on Wednesday uh so that's where you can find information about that uh and just yeah I I don't really have any 
parting thoughts. I think we've talked about a lot, and uh, and I appreciate for for talking about fun size a lot because I, I love the project so much, and I think people are going to love what we do. Um, and it is complicated to talk about, so hopefully it wasn't a little <laughs> it wasn't too overbearing. No, not not at all. I actually I think there's a lot of really really good good stuff here. Uh, certainly a lot of takeaways uh, for not only our audience, but uh, but I think. You know, uh, you kind of brought up a, a couple things in here that certainly, well, we haven't really had anybody on the on the uh, on the show bring up yet, and I'll just tease those out right here as sort of my takeaways, which was, you know, that, that producers should be looking at their projects as a business uh, from the very beginning, and mm-hmm. that uh, studios and really any financiers looking for any way to mitigate risk, and they're looking to influencers, uh, not just necessarily stars, and I think those two uh, nuggets of things that you talked about uh they a they haven't really been spoken on in the show uh they're super duper important and uh and i think you really hit the nail on the head with that, that one so michael thank you so much uh for coming on the show this is episode number 68 you can uh find this episode crafttrack.com forward slash 68 and uh, there'll be links to fun size horror uh the real the real michael may and uh <laughs> we'll be back next week michael thank you so much Uh, Thank you, Jesse. Have a good day.